welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we are thrilled to have the latter's founder, Mark Senadella, as our guest. I have admired Mark as a leader in the career space forever and have been quoting his advice, especially his article on how not to embarrass yourself when doing the elevator pitch since 2010 when it came out. We're going to be talking about elevator pitches and a lot more today. Mark, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Um, As I mentioned, we are big fans of your advice on elevator pitches, and we have referenced you on many occasions, including uh, at our iRelaunch conferences and in our new Return to Work Roadmap online product. And now that we are talking to you live and in person, um, would you give us some advice, please, on... um, how a relauncher, which is someone who has taken a career break and now wants to go back to work, would think about and come up with the elevator pitch. Should it include the career break or should it be more passion focused as you advise people in general, I'm assuming who have not taken career break? Sure. Well, great. Again, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the podcast. The returner to uh, to work has to think about what the person who's ultimately going to hire them is looking for. It, to a certain extent, doesn't matter what they did or did not do in terms of a, a break uh, previously. What the what their future boss is looking for is somebody who can contribute, who can do the job, and can help that boss achieve their goals this quarter, this year, you know, this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elevator pitch really needs to be focused on how you're bringing your passion to a set of problems that could be relevant to that future boss. Got it. And um, can you give us an example from that piece and actually just in general of how you do the elevator pitch, regardless of of a career break or not, so people can get a sense of your approach? So overall, it's, you know, uh, expressing what you've done and what you want to do with enthusiasm uh, what you're looking to do next, and why you think you're a great fit. Those four things. So it might be, um, I, I've been a leading expert in advertising uh, for years. I'm, I, I love the advertising space because uh, getting messages out to consumers is fascinating to me. I'm looking to do it again in consumer packaged goods, and I think I'd be terrific uh, for your brand, Acme, because you guys are doing a lot of interesting things in canned Bitcoin, and I'd be terrific at helping you get that uh, that message out. Um, that's what an elevator pitch is, those four sentences. And so thinking about, you know, how, how much do I talk about my break? Nobody is going to hire you because of your break. Uh, so it's got, it's got relatively little to do with your future boss, other than you might feel that you need to explain it or... Uh, note why you've got a three or four or six year gap in your uh, work history. Um, so you might say in your elevator pitch, uh, now that I'm returning to the workforce after uh, raising a family, I'm looking to do such and such. But overall, for a pitch, when we're talking about the 30 seconds that you're really encapsulating your value to a future employer, I, I think you really want to stay with 
that value you're delivering rather than something else uh, about your, you know, um, a personal or uh, a professional situation that doesn't necessarily directly communicate that value. You know, I'm glad to hear this. It, it does reinforce the approach that we use when we're guiding relaunchers. I'm actually a relauncher myself. I took an 11 year career break and went back to a finance career um, after being home with kids. Uh, but we tell relaunchers not to apologize and to be very brief about their career break uh, and then to move on to immediately to why they're the best person for the job. So if the person says, what, gosh, what, tell me about the six year career break, you can say, yes, I took a career break to care for my children and now I can't wait to get back to work. In fact, the reason I'm so excited about this position is, and then it sounds like you could segue right into what you are advising. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's obviously it's a hindrance because it's um, uh, it's different from most of the candidates or uh, professionals that they're talking to for a, a particular uh, role. So it is uh, a bit of a hindrance and you don't want to ignore that. But it is not the reason that you will get hired or not hired. Correct. So as it doesn't really have that much of an impact on why you're going to get hired or not hired, why spend time? Right. You're saying it. just get into the information that is relevant to the employer, which is how you can add value. Yeah. What, what, is, what is she looking to hire? What is he looking to add to his team? And let's focus on that. Thank you. That's that's super helpful. Um, we've also noticed that you have a few pieces of advice. Um, you're out in the public domain with, with um, a lot of great advice. And um, some of the, that advice is constructed in terms of a single best piece of advice on a variety of topics. And we wanted to know if you could talk about a single best piece of advice for relaunchers who are making their way back into the workforce after an extended break. And it could really be in, in any category of the job search process. Sure. My, my, the single best piece of advice that I stumbled upon uh, as I've been doing career advice and advising folks for two decades is, uh, you know, when it gets to that point of the interview, when they ask, Hey, is there anything else you'd like to ask me? Um, ask, sure. Yeah. Uh, how do I help you get a gold star in your review next year? And, this uh, piece of advice has been the most effective. I've gotten most, you know, most positive uh, feedback, and it is you know, transformative often in the interview uh, because it shows you in a light that the your future employer, your future boss, uh, is unaccustomed to seeing candidates um, appear in, and that is the role of somebody who is really there to help your boss get ahead, and that. Uh, you are not just concerned with your own performance or your own future, but that you realize that you're part of a team and that uh, part of that team success is, you know, reflecting on the uh, the boss and that you are there to, to help the boss and the team achieve shared goals. So that's been my single best uh, bit of advice uh, for a long time. And I think it all applies for relaunchers just as much uh, as uh, as anybody else. Right. I I love that piece of advice, and I you don't hear it very often, so it's it's really unique, and I think it's important for um, relaunchers to hear this. So thank you um, for sharing that. And look, you got to remember, this is uh, you got to be you know Channing Tatum cool, not you know uh, uh, Jordan Hill, uh, you know obsequious and kind of uh, snivelly. Um, uh, the important thing is that you're, you're not trying to, uh, you know, be a, a brown nose or an apple polish or anything like that, but you're, 
you're simply saying, hey, look, how do I help you get ahead in your uh, in your endeavors? And mostly what I hear from people is that bosses, future bosses that they ask this of say, I've never had anybody ask me that. It's a great way to stand out for something other than what you happen to be doing uh, these last few years uh, uh, and refocus all of their attention on what you're hoping they focus their attention on, your future contributions to that employer. That is great advice. You know, I'm curious about your reaction to the question that we've heard that's a good one to ask, which is um, if you and I were to sit down in six months and I had done an excellent job, what would I have accomplished? And that's also, that's also terrific because uh, that uh, causes the future boss to kind of outline uh, what are the achievements that they're looking for over the next six months. And then you can speak to you know, specifically how you can help, uh, help achieve those more broadly. What I recommend people do is, uh, you know, even prior to going into the interview, uh, when you're meeting with HR or you're talking to a recruiter, even if you're, you know, if you're directly directly your future boss, when you're setting up that interview or that time to come in, ask, Hey, what are the three most important things for the success of the person in this role? And it should be three, not seven. And it shouldn't be one. Um, three gives you a few different things that you can talk about. If you're, you know, a bit stronger in one than the others, you can you can focus on that. But that gives you the roadmap and the and the game plan for how you ought to structure your time in the interview. So if your uh, future boss says, "Hey, I'm looking for a, uh, you know somebody a logistics expert," and you say, "Well, what are the three most important things?" And they say, you know, organization, ability to expand warehouses rapidly and shipping cost efficiency. You can now go through your resume and through your background and pull out the two, three, four, five bullet points and achievements that most directly speak to that. So that when you go into the interview, you can say, hey, what I heard you say was that these are three most important things. Uh, Is that true? And uh, okay, it's true. It's great here's how I think I've delivered on those in the past and how I can deliver on those in the, uh, in the future. So that gives you a means for structuring your conversation. That is just a heck of a lot easier than going in and winging it. Right. That, that is terrific. Thank you. I've also have never heard that before. So thrilled that we're getting um, such expert and unique advice here. Thank you. Um, so you are listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we talk about strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. This is Carol Fishman-Cohen, your host, and we are speaking with the latter's founder, Mark Senadella. I'm just great, getting some great wisdom from him today. So Mark, I want to move on and ask you about age discrimination. Uh, Relaunchers tend to be um, in their 40s, 50s, and sometimes older, and um, can be highly focused on issues of age. And we're just interested in um, what what your experience um, uh, and advice about age discrimination. You actually have an article that has the best title called when the kid interviewing you says you're too old. Um, that's, that's one of our favorites. I'm sure you've written other pieces, Yeah. but just give us your thoughts on that, please. Sure. Well, first off, uh, age discrimination exists in this country. Uh, 
It's true. It's a real thing. I was shocked to find it when I got into the business tw uh, two decades ago. And it's only gotten worse uh, over the last uh, 20 years. So my overall advice to folks is uh, that age discrimination is mindset discrimination. And uh, what that means is employers have discovered that in this very turbulent, fast moving environment uh, that companies that rely on the past and sticking with the tried and true tend to get run over and they end up being, you know, casualties in the, uh, in the marketplace. And uh, on the other hand, what they've learned is that uh, companies that are flexible and that can adapt and kind of transform their business every 18 or 36 uh, months are the ones that uh, tend to get ahead. As a result, what they've discovered is that we need people who are flexible and who can learn and who are curious and who uh, don't have a sense of not invented here about new technology or new ways of, uh, of doing things. For better or for worse, uh, many employers and many managers feel that older candidates, older professionals come to the table with a preconceived notion of how they're going to do their job and aren't really very flexible in learning. Uh, overall, uh, that, you know, just if we look at it statistically, it's probably, it probably is true. It probably, you know, people who have been doing a particular job for 30 years probably have pretty strong opinions on how to do that job for somebody who's only been doing it uh, a three. But for you coming back into the workforce, what you need to uh, think about is that, look, while, there, while there's nothing that you can do to stop um, age discrimination, what I've observed over the years is that uh, I've seen candidates who have succeeded uh, despite their age, and I've seen candidates who have failed uh, because of it. Mm -hmm. Ones who succeed despite their age uh, come in with a open, flexible mindset that they display in their answers, in their demeanor, and in the specific examples they give in the interview. So uh, what I mean by that is um, it's best if you can go into your interview and let's just go through a few examples. So uh, one, describing situations in which you've adapted a new technology uh, to a, a problem at hand. So, you know, hey, so Slack has been a great tool for me, or uh, I implemented, uh, you know, Zeppelin at my uh, company, whatever the, it was some of the newer tools are, explaining how you use those technologies and um, delivered value. Now, look, it's best if the technologies that you describe are, aren't from the 70s. So, you know, saying you implement eight track uh, tapes. Uh, <laughs> probably not your uh, your best idea. Uh, you know, another right. example would be recounting in the past how you were able to help you know young, a younger staffer uh, get to a solution that was stumping everybody. And what you want to display is, look, I, I'm, I'm helpful. I've got some knowledge, uh, and I'm not above kind of helping people uh, get there. Not lording it over them, or not um, uh, you know being arrogant uh, about it but sharing how you were able to do that. And then conversely, also sharing a time when a younger staffer or manager uh, gave you feedback that you were able to put into place and be uh, constructive with. 
a, a big fear of younger managers is no matter what I tell you, the candidate, you're not going to listen to me. And even if the evidence is blaring and, uh, you know, I made a decision that we're going to go blue and not red. Uh, the fear is that you're going to say, well, we got to stick red because red's tried to true. That's how we always, always done it. So demonstrating in your interview that that's not the case and that you're able to take feedback and actually change your behavior as a result is helpful. And then, uh, maybe the fourth one would be sharing in a, a specific and vivid way your passion for um, the specific field that you're, you're in. And you're trying to stay away from generalities. Oh, I love advertising. But you know, digging into what you love about photo shoots or what you love about um, um, you know, executing uh, user research or you know, what your uh, thrill is in kind of executing new campaigns. And that, uh, what, what companies have discovered is that you know, passionate people who really care about the work and care about the, uh, the professional endeavor over and above working at the company tend to do a heck of a lot better than people who are just taking the job. So if you can, you know, display that, and it's, it's especially helpful if during your break, you took some steps to uh, scratch that itch and further develop that area of, uh, of passion. Uh, if you can share that with your interviewer, then that goes a long way to kind of showing the curiosity, the engagement, the passion, uh, and the interest in new things that maybe when it comes to, you know, older folks in the workforce, there is a bias against believing that they bring those to the table. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mark, one thing that I hear you saying that, that we sometimes think about is how to convey a fearless quality about learning new things. We, we've heard employers say, it's not as important to me that the person know every piece of the latest tech that, that's being used, but it's important to me that they have a fearless attitude about learning it. Any comments on that or how to express that? So I agree. And the best way to demonstrate a capability is to demonstrate that capability. So if you want to convey that you have a fearless, you know, embrace of new technologies, then go out and embrace new technologies. Blog, have an Instagram feed, do something on uh, Twitter, create your own uh, a web page. Um, in your particular field, there's probably a wide variety of um, new technologies being applied to your field. Find a way to show that you are actively learning about those and trying to implement them uh, in your professional life. And if you're coming out of the workforce and you're not currently uh, currently employed, you can still demonstrate a high level of interest and engagement. And honestly, in a, in a certain extent, you're, you have an advantage in that if you don't have any deliverables this week, because you're not, you know, don't have a full-time uh, job, you've got way more time to dig into the training and dig into the uh, user manual and dig into the tutorials than anybody who's got a full-time gig does. So if, the standard software in your industry has just released version 7.9 and everybody else is still kind of on 7.6. If you dig into 7.9 and can kind of know all the new features and uh, think through intelligently how various 
potential employers could implement them, that can be very helpful. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, you know, we we work with a lot of big companies on helping them to uh, introduce, implement, and expand formal mid-career internship programs. And one of the programs that we work on is with IBM. It's called IBM Tech Reentry. And they hire mostly data scientists um, at, in this return to work program. And the people who have taken the step to go out and, and take and complete, uh, for example, an MIT edX program in Python, um, they, that credential is, is considered a legitimate and actually a, a high point um, of someone's background. And people who have had that kind of coursework then thrive in their program and succeed when it's over and get hired. So that's an example of, of coursework. But I love this idea of um, focusing on the most, you know, the, the most used technology in a particular field and learning the latest version of it, which could be a version, as you're saying, that even in the company they haven't adapted yet. It's almost certain that they haven't adapted yet. Most most companies are kind of at 18 or 24 month the technology upgrade cycle. If you're digging into the, the next version on the three most commonly used software programs, there's almost no doubt that you're going to come into that interview with more knowledge about what the future features have than they currently have. I love it. If you can say, hey, so I imagine you guys are using the you know targeting feature from you know Acme Software uh, uh, 6.7. What do you think about the new things that they're implementing with uh, uh, geo and uh, interest, you know, specificity in six, nine. And, uh, you know, is that something you think you're going to be able to apply? Um, can be very, uh, can be very helpful. Mm. And, and especially, um, in battling, um, ageism because, um, one of the other pieces that, that we've thought about is as an antidote to ageism, it's subject matter expertise. And essentially that's what you're saying here. And if you can deliver it, you know, talk about the latest version of, of popular, uh, software technology, they're going to be focusing more on the substance of what you're saying and the fact that you are familiar with this than the fact that you're, you know, over, over 55. I think, and let's, let's underscore that point. Uh, sometimes coming into an interview as a older worker, you can uh, approach it with a little bit of fear, intimidation about, Hey, am I up to date enough? And uh, when this goes wrong, how people try to address that is, uh, they show up uh, wearing, you know, clothes that reveal too much about their desperation, maybe, uh, that they're trying too hard, they're trying to learn the new bands and the new lingo of the kids. And like that's very surface and inauthentic, and it doesn't work. But if you can show up with a genuine curiosity and interest and a knowledge and a substantive knowledge about new things, then that's how you set yourself apart as look, I might be 30 or 35 or 40 years into my career, but today is day one of the day that we are going to get the customer's business for today. And I am fully here and prepared and excited about applying all the tools and resources uh, and learnings that I have to that problem here today. Wonderful. 
Thank you. That's so valuable uh, for our, our relauncher community. Um, Mark, let me just uh, change the topic for a minute and ask you, why did you start the ladders and can you explain what the ladders is and how relaunchers could best use it as a, as a tool as they are proceeding through their relaunch? Uh, sure. We're a, career, we're a community for uh, folks at the higher end of the professional range. We focus on 100K plus careers. Um, I started the business uh, 15 years ago in uh, Manhattan after being a uh, senior vice president at Hot Jobs, which was the number two job board in the country behind Monster during the first kind of internet era. Uh, we sold that business to Yahoo for a half billion dollars um, uh, back in 2002. And uh, I, I've just always been fascinated about uh, uh, work and economics um, before business school. And then I think coming out of business school, it was uh, I stumbled into hot jobs. And it was just really fascinating to me, this application of uh, the hard stuff to the soft stuff. So, you know, online recruitment is applying computation and statistics and data science, the hard stuff to the soft stuff of people's uh, fears and emotions and ambitions and uh, desires and um, uh, you know, careers. And so I really just find that super engaging and interesting. So I started a newsletter focused on 100K plus careers 15 years ago uh, with three subscribers in August of 2003. And today we've got 10 million um, subscribers, uh, we provide news, information, entertainment, advice, and tools to people in the 100K plus community. That ends up being about the top 25% of the uh, of the workforce. And we're you know we're here to help you get ahead in your career. And uh, it's everything from you know lighthearted articles about uh, you know words that people use wrong or use right in the office to serious stuff about you know dealing with. Uh, the harassment issues that are in the uh, in the in the news today, or dealing with ageism, or dealing with uh, uh, you know getting the promotions and getting ahead in your uh, current job, all the way over to tools uh, where we've got three hundred thousand uh, jobs paying over hundred grand live on the site today, and you can go through and apply and look uh, you know uh, interact with recruiters. So that's what Ladders does, and um, you know I, I love the career space and everything about it. Wow, that's that's incredible. I love hearing that story and um, how far you've come since the very beginning of it and in really not that long of a time uh, when you think about it. Uh, well, thank you. Um, Mark, we want to wrap up by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is your favorite piece of advice uh, for relaunchers, even if it's something that we've already talked about in our conversation today. So uh, I think specifically for relaunchers, what I'd say is you're uh, coming back into the workforce and your highest anxiety is probably, in, in addition to a little bit of worry about, you know, how will I do once I get a job, is figuring out where that job is. And I've been a little bit disconnected uh, maybe, and I haven't, because I haven't been spending 100% of my time on it. And so you have uh, this high level of anxiety that then left to its own devices, you tend to apply uh, to drilling into all of your friends and contacts with, do you know any about any jobs? And that's an error. 
and I think my favorite piece of advice uh, for relaunchers is going to be something I cribbed from uh, uh, John Lucht, who wrote Rites of Passage, uh, and he's now passed away. But uh, it's a great piece of advice. I met him earlier in my uh, early in my career, and his advice was when you're when you're looking for a role and you're talking to your network, uh, don't ask for a job, ask for a reference. And what I mean by that is, look, most of the folks that you are going to talk to or network with or go back out to a reconnecting coffee or breakfast or lunch with, they're just not focused on the job market. They're focused on doing their job. So when you ask them, hey, do you know about any jobs open? The truth is the answer is no, because they're not thinking about it. And by asking them a question that they have to tell you no, now they feel bad, you feel bad, and you haven't gotten anywhere. So uh, John's bit of advice that uh, I'll repurpose here is don't ask for a job, ask for a reference. So when you're reconnecting uh, with your old friend uh, Sally that you worked with, you know, uh, 10 years ago, uh, hey, Sally, uh, when it gets to that point in this job search, you know, eventually it'll get to that point. Uh, can I use you as a reference? Now, and most people will say yes, and that does a few things. One is uh, they feel a little bit flattered that you think about using them as a, uh, as a reference. It's easy for them to say yes. It doesn't cost them anything uh, uh, to say yes today. And it turns them into somebody who's now rooting for you a little bit. And as opposed to having to say no and feel bad that they didn't have a job for you, now they've got a little bit of a positive thing and you're in a little bit in the back of their head. So that over the next four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, as they're just going about their day to day, maybe when they hear about something open, it'll just jigger something in their mind. Ah, I should tell my friend about, uh, about, about this role. So it's a small difference that leads to a big change in outcome where uh, you're um, uh, moving from Hey, do you know about any jobs to would you be a reference changes it from a, a, you know, a negative and not really any place to go to a positive that could lead to a lot of good stuff in the future for you. I love that advice. Thank you, Mark, so much. Uh, and thank you for joining us today and sharing your wisdom. We are so privileged to be able to hear from you. Uh, can you tell our audience how to find out more about The Ladders? Sure. You can go to uh, theladders.com. T-H-E-L-A-D-D-E-R-S.com. And I've also got two best-selling books on uh, Amazon, uh, Ladder's 2018 Resume Guide and Ladder's 2018 Interviews Guide. Uh, that if you just search on my last name, Senadella, or Ladder's, you'll be able to find there in, in Kindle version only on, uh, on Amazon. Thank you. And, and Senadella, just so people know, is spelled C-E-N-E-D-E-L. A lot of vowels. Right? A lot of vowels. Just keep going with the vowels. <laughs> That's great. All right. Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Thanks so much. You've been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. And we were thrilled to have Mark Senadella, the founder of The Ladders, as our guest for today. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of I Relaunch and your host, for more information about iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.